Welcome back, Boomtown listeners. We're your hosts, Deanna Rajay and Shanae Coleman Durden. And this is Boomtown Stories. Woo! We're getting really smooth at that. So good. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what everybody out in the world is like. Wow, their intros are really, they're tightening up on those intros. It's so good. So amazing. We're so proud of them. <laughs> that's exactly what everyone's thinking. I think so too. Same Z's. All right. So uh, cheers to our um, Tom Collins. What is it called? Tom Collins. Mm-hmm. I was good. So I was like, Tom Ford, Tom Ford, Tom Ford. I was like, that's not what it is, Shanae. That's not what it is. Okay. Listeners, um, just a heads up. They're the same color again. We did it. We are getting better and better at everything. Some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, granted this recipe was super easy. <laughs> listen, listen, mm-hmm. I, I chose it, you know, I'm yeah. great. <laughs> I'm happy about it. I literally just realized that I haven't picked a cocktail for next week yet. So I'm going to do that as we do everything else. I'm going to get on top of my game. I did mine, uh, with Hendrix lunar gin, which I had never had before. It ended up being really, really good. Oh, nice. I've never heard of that. I don't know what's supposed to make it special. It's in a cute little bottle. Hendrix, hit us up if you want to be a sponsor. We're always looking for a good sugar daddy. So uh, no, no, for the podcast, like the podcast is looking. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I guess you could call it a sponsor, but <laughs> same thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could also use a sponsor for my life. Exactly. <laughs> it. Can I have a life sponsor? You know what? I think we should start calling it that. Like, I'm not a sugar baby. I'm looking for a life sponsor. <laughs> Um, how does your husband feel about that? What do you call a sugar baby that doesn't want to exchange any sugar? Because that's what I aspire to be. Um, I, I think a wife. Wait, no, but there is sugar in that. Here I am. Here I am. Are you doing that? <laughs> Can I upgrade sponsor? <laughs> that's, that's rude. That sounds terrible. Like my husband has a, a good job and he does a very good job providing for us and, and taking care of us. But uh, I'm looking for like somebody with like some billions with a B, you know? A hard B. Yeah, hard B. And is this billionaire going to take care of you and Taylor or how does this work? I feel good about that. I feel good about about it. I feel like Taylor wouldn't actually mind. I feel like if if anyone could make that situation work, it's me. I just need to find the right person. You know what I mean? Well, good luck. This is why God keeps me from having nice things because he hears the desires of my heart and he's like, she hasn't learned yet. is not ready he's not ready for anything nice listen to him it's a hot mess anywho what have you been up to yeah so you know um since <laughs> guys i'm always like looking around my apartment trying to find <laughs> something to say and there's nothing here um yeah you know i i did finally i went out um and had brunch outside that was brunch with the bottomless rosé Yes. Um, that was- <laughs> yeah, that was brunch. So, um, yeah, that's um, basically all I have been up to. You know, just the usual writing. Yeah, I was like, you're being productive. You're just, you know, just a lot home. of downtime, though. It just feels. It's just, you know, I sometimes I do things, but the the nothingness is more apparent. <laughs> If you say so. 
I think that um, I think that writing is a lot of work. I think that editing mm-hmm. is a lot of work. That takes a lot of time. Yeah. So I I think that you should give yourself credit for both of those things. Um, and I also think that bottomless rosé just does not sound like a good idea. <laughs> it either sounds like a great idea or or the worst idea ever. Uh, well. Or simultaneously both. It was great. Um. <laughs> or maybe it depends on the person because I could see myself just getting like sick because I'd be like, well, I can have another one. It doesn't matter. It's bottomless. I'm going to try to find the bottom. No, they do. I mean, they will cut you off if you start acting weird. No one ever cuts me off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I got cut off at, at like two o'clock in the afternoon at a Chili's once. No. Yeah. I was still in college. It's fine. Okay. Then that makes more sense. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? What was happening? And and then I went to work that night at the bar. <laughs> mm, that sounds dangerous. No, it was super fun. Best shift ever. Were you guys allowed to drink on the job as well? No. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes more sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said it was dangerous because I thought you were allowed to drink. Oh, so then I was like drunk, then I just keep yeah. drinking, and then yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Uh just you know, working. I think I like listening to the the old podcasts, I realized like I'm like, oh my kids are going to compete. And then I I don't think I ever said how we did, <laughs> which I don't know that anybody cares, but just like on the off chance that anybody does, we actually our first competition did really, really well. Um I would say like a solid 90, 95% of our routines placed overall, which is always uh, really exciting. They were well adjudicated. The kids did a phenomenal job on stage. Even the dances that didn't place um, performed well. So that was nice. And uh, we won a Studio of Excellence Award for doing a great job. So which are always my favorite awards because that's a that's a group effort. That's everybody having to chime in and, and work together to make that happen. So congratulations thank you but uh yeah so that was I just that's an update for everybody on how the first one went um we've got another one at the end of April so we've got a long time before the next one it's a lot longer than we normally have in between competitions the end of April tomorrow to me the time has just been flying by no I would agree with you like this year is uh speeding but I think it's because 2020 was so slow oh lord yeah you do you remember March 2020 that year we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> All my Facebook memories, like my, like this, you know, they're like this time last year. And I'm like, I wish I hadn't posted anything because all of this is just putting me in such a tail. Like, I don't, like, I know it's good to remember, but like, I don't want to either. I'm like, oh, none of it was sad. None of it was anything. It's just like a little triggering where I'm like, oh, we were at the very beginning and you yeah. didn't know. Like, you didn't know what was about to two piece you because it one, two punch real hard real yeah hard. so what else have you been up to I mean legitimately nothing other than just like like just back to the grind back to work it's been nice uh, I went back to work after having a week off so I felt uh rested enough to do what I needed to do which is it feels like it's been a very long time since I felt like that like I feel like basically from this point last year like all of my work felt like I was just pulling like a carcass with me which is my carcass <laughs> like to get stuff done. And so now it's like, I went to work and I was like, oh, I feel like I have enough energy to actually do this, which was, it was like, that was great. Take note guys, Um, everybody needs a break. Yeah, rest is very important. And uh, one of the things that I am working on for like next season is a way 
to add a little more calm into my schedule, like pulling back somewhere. And uh, Taylor was like, well, you could do like fewer solos and duets and stuff like the side stuff. And I was like, yeah, but that's where I have all my fun. Okay. So today's guest is uh, my friend, Monique. This is her mom, Leslie Burtwell. I'm excited to have her on. Yay. Shout out to Monique. Thank you so much for the hookup. We appreciate you. I was telling Monique about our podcast and she was like, oh my gosh, my mom would love to do it. I was like, that would be amazing. Uh, Let's get her in right away. And she was down. So I'm really excited about her. Yay. I'm excited too. I feel like every week we're like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Uh, But for everybody listening, we're also two uh, just genuinely excited people in our day-to-day lives. So I feel like sometimes I'm writing emails and I'm like, you have to use fewer exclamation points. People are going to think you're a psychopath. But then I think if you talk to me in real life, my sentences are in exclamation points. So it makes sense. It's like, oh, if you were talking to me though, this, the punctuation makes perfect sense. So it's fine. Okay. Um, but I will try to be less enthusiastic. Mm, absolutely not. Okay, good. <laughs> Out of 10, always. It's my favorite way to be. You will, you will take this excitement and you will like it. Oh, Woo! Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just assuming you're going to edit all that out, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, Leslie, do you want to say hello to our listeners? Hello. <laughs> and so, um, as I said before, this is my friend and former roommate, Monique. This is her mom, and she's been kind enough to grace us with her presence and tell us all about herself. So, Leslie, where did you grow up? I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, when I was very small, we lived in Houston for a couple of years, and we lived in Oklahoma City for a couple of years, and then I started kindergarten in the Santa Cruz Mountains when I was four, and, uh, and, I, and I, so I, I learned how to talk in the South, so I came to California and was like, hi, I'm Foa. Pretty soon I'll be five. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still feel like you have a little Southern twang in there? Not, not on my everyday, you know, everyday language, but if I get around anybody with a Southern accent, I'm right back to it. Yeah. That's how I am around Sinead. I feel like she brings out my Southern accent. Yours is heavy. I don't have an accent. Thank you. Whatever. (laughs) How long were you guys in Santa Cruz? Um, From the time I was four, four going on five until I was about... 14, I think my, my, my dad died when I was six and, um, it really changed, uh, it changed everything, you know, like he one day wasn't going to come home anymore and he was full of life and, um, had a great sense of humor. And my, my brother and sister were both older. My sister was seven years older. See, I was six. My sister was 13. My brother was 16 when our dad died. And, and it really changed things, you know, um, our dad was, uh, really beautiful. He had these blue, blue eyes and blonde hair, and he looked like, um, kind of George Papard and Robert Redford all rolled into one. He was very handsome, like Steve McQueen, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes. And, um, and he had this great sense of humor. So we all had that you know, me and my brother and sister. And I think we, he, the house came to life when our, when dad came home from work, you know, and then when he wasn't coming home anymore, it was, it was hard. But we had one of those station wagons, a Navy blue station wagon with paneling on the side. And we had a dog and, and, uh, and my mom, my mom was beautiful. Like Liz Taylor, Jackie Kennedy. 
Well, my mom had black hair and brown eyes and my dad had blonde hair and blue eyes. And so I have brown hair and green eyes. I don't know. It's somewhere in the middle. I was like, you have a very like Liz Taylor vibe to your dark hair and then like the blue violet eyes. Like I'm, I can, it makes a lot of sense. I I get that. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, well, and also I think um, I had an aunt when I was little, I had my aunt Billy and she called herself Aunt Bill. And she was from, she was from, I mean, they were Oki Texan people. And my aunt Billy would be like, come on over here and give me some sugar. <laughs> she'd stick her, your face right into her chest. And she'd be like, you know, and then, um, and she always had her nails done and her hair done and her toes were painted. And I wanted to be like, that and my mom was like because my dad died I think my mom fought off men for a couple of years and then she was like Jesus Christ you know she'd she'd go over to the neighbor's house and she'd have her cut her mom my mom would have the neighbor cut her hair the neighbor who like sheared sheep's fur you know so my mom would have her hair like shaved up the back and really super short just hacked off and I did not want to be like that I wanted to be like Aunt Billy because Aunt Billy just had this thing, you know, and I wanted that. Oh my God. <laughs> but do you know what I mean though? Like I had the I had the two different models for me. And and when I would look at my mom, she would wear polyester pants with a sweatshirt and a pair of Keds, you know, Keds with like the pointy toed tennis shoes. And um she didn't wear any makeup really, but maybe some bright pink lipstick. And I just I just wanted to be. You know, when I hear Dolly Parton talking about wanting to look like a hooker, I totally related to that, you know, <laughs> because when I was little, there was a movie called Gypsy. Have you ever seen the movie Gypsy? No, I haven't seen all of it, but I, I know the movie you're Natalie talking about. Natalie Wood, and she's got all these, these strippers that are telling her, you know, you can, uh, you can, uh, you can, uh, uh, uh. And I, I just thought, well, I'm going to be a stripper when I grow up because it's so glamorous. And I, I wasn't, I didn't actually do it I got I got hired a couple times and I couldn't show up because I, I really couldn't do it but but I because I'm more modest than that but I I I really aspired to be like you know and they had really sexy music back then too I mean they do now but, but like um, no the music now is sexual but it's not very sexy like the like the old school music is like it's sexy yeah, yeah. have you ever heard Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass they do this rendition of um of uh, love potion number nine, and it goes. It's like da 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 and you know it's very like yeah. yeah. I, and I would put on a dress, and I would jump from like the bed to the dresser to the nightstand to the you know to the chair, and then back to the bed. And I was ready to strip, and I was like six, seven, eight years old. <laughs> it does, and here's why: because in the movie she takes off a glove and throws it out there. And then she might take, you might kind of have a sense that she's taking stuff off, but then she has that big boa, you know, ostrich feather thing. And she covered, you never see her naked in that film. And so I just always thought, why wouldn't I want to be a stripper? (laughs) Furs and heels and, you know. I can show you a little bit of my shoulder and it's sexy and like, that's enough. My sexuality. So where did you go to high school? Um, Well, when I was uh, in eighth grade, 
my my little girlfriend and I, she stole some she stole some weed from her dad and we smoked it. And um, everything changed for me that summer between eighth and ninth grade. And I had already tried out for cheerleader at Santa Cruz High, and um, and I I made it. So I got my uniform and I started ninth grade at at Santa Cruz High. But I got into a fight at school and I got my ass kicked pretty bad by a couple of girls. And I just never wanted to go back there. I was afraid. And I, I mean, you know, as a parent, you think, well, I think, why did my mom not march down to the school and, you know, slam her hand on the desk and make sure that things went the way that we wanted them to, but I refused. And, and I think that my mom respected my wishes rather than go down and try to you know, get our, get her way. She said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move. And she had just gotten married to this guy that was from Italy. And, uh, my dad had been this, um, beautiful military boy that she met at a church party and, um, and fell in love and got married. He was a sailor. My parents were, uh, my dad was from Oki, Texan, bootlegging, car stealing, horse thievery, um, Oki people and uh, where my, my grandpa was in and out of jail. And um, like he left my grandma uh, and went off to prison for a couple of years at a time. And, and, um, and then my mother's side of the family was uh, my, my grandfather was a policeman and a minister. So my mom and my dad were from completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And when my mom came home and she had met my dad at this, uh, at a, a church bowling party, the, the guy, the, the chaplain, the ship chaplain, when my dad was in the Navy, would whenever they would come into port, he would set up a party for the sailor boys with the local girls. And so my mom walked into the bowling alley and my dad saw her and said, I'm going to marry that girl. And he did. He married my mom within uh, months after meeting her at the bowling alley in Berkeley. And then um, and my my grandfather, my mom's dad, went and, and, and investigated him, you know, like checked his background and found out all this terrible stuff. My grandpa broke my grandma's arm one time. Um, my grandma uh, took her other arm and picked up a board to hit him in the mouth and broke out all his teeth. Like good for her. Because I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with my other arm. Yeah. And, uh, so they were like that. So I had this domestic violence on one side and drinking and 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 debauchery. And then, and my dad left that life and went and met my mom and married her and kind of married into my, my mom's family and where my, my grandfather was a Berkeley policeman. And so after my dad died, my dad died when I was six. So everything was different. And then, yeah, I went to, so my mom got remarried when I was 13, when I was in ninth grade. So yeah, I just started school in the ninth grade. I was a cheerleader and everything. And my mom got married in January. And by, by, before that school year ended, I had dropped out and we had moved to Milpitas, which made me feel like my life was over. My life was ruined. We were in, you know, kind of the San Jose area and, uh, and I didn't want to be there. And um, I, I was never prejudiced against any other ethnicity or anything like that, but I was a, a little bit afraid. Um, uh, of, uh, we had, we had black and white kids at, at Santa Cruz high. And so, and I was friends with everybody and I had no, you know, concerns that were ethnic, but then when we moved to, into San Jose, it was, everything was so much faster and everybody was, um, there were all different ethnicities there. And I wasn't, I didn't dislike anybody, but I was, I was scared because I, it was, you know, went into the unknown. It was, it was a culture shock for me. And, um, and I, and I, gravitated to the nearest bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so my mom married this guy and his, my dad had been, had worked for the space program was really smart. But when he, um, when he was gone, then my mom, this other man, he was a bricklayer. So it was a big difference between the, the guy that worked for the space program and the bricklayer. He was a nice man. He was, he was from Italy and uh, it was, that was another culture shock. He was really different than, than what we were. The other thing I wanted to tell you guys about my childhood though, is that I rode the bus every day to school, you know, when I was in like second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And I had these memories of being on the bus. And uh, my daughter, we, we talked about this yesterday, that it's something I've always shared with her about my childhood is that I loved music. My dad loved music and kind of passed that on to us. We always had a record player in our house and we had tons of records, all different types. We had blues and we had um, jazz and, and folk and, and, you know, everything. And uh, so I, I got a record player for my birthday one year. I think it was when I was about nine. So was maybe third, third grade, I got this record player and it was the kind it had a handle and you could, you could carry it around and it had, you could plug it in, but it also had batteries. And so I brought that record player on the bus with me and I played records on the bus and I had my 45, I had my little, like a little suitcase that I had my 45s in and we listened to the Archies and listened to the Jackson five. My biggest memory of music is Jackson five was just like, I, I always felt like Michael Jackson was my friend, you know, I felt like I knew him. And um, anyway, so we, I played my 45 records all the time on the bus and like all the kids would be, would be like kind of dancing on the bus to, to my music. And, and it was so much fun. And, uh, and, you know, sixties, sixties and early seventies music was, was what we were listening to during those years. And uh, God, what, so much fun, you know, but when my mom got married and we moved to, we moved to Milpitas, I felt like I was going to die, but I found the kids in the neighborhood. And what is Milpitas like? Well, it's in Silicon Valley. So it's, you know, in the sixties, all of Santa Clara Valley, I mean, the, the word Silicon hadn't even, I mean, it wasn't, right? it wasn't Silicon computers yet. were as big as the, your living room. And it was something that they had down at my dad's work. When you're driving through through San Jose, there's just, there was, and it's not like this today, but back in the 60s, you know, it was like, um, there was a song, do you know the way to San Jose? And that was um, um, uh, Dionne Warwick. Dionne Warwick was huge in the, in the late 60s, you know, and um, and uh, so San Jose area, Santa Clara, it was all orchard. So you got orange trees and cherry trees. And and we had the white front store, which was the big, it's like how Walmart is now, I guess. And we would take a shortcut through the orchard to the to the bowling alley. And we would be eating cherries all the way through, you know, all the way through the orchard. And, and, um, and the other thing about life back then was, uh, you know, we had our lunch pails, the metal lunch pail. And, and like, I had the Partridge family lunch pail, I had the Brady Bunch lunch pail, I had the Archie's lunch pail and lunch pails were just such a big deal. You know, you had your thermos and everything. And, and we took our lunch every day and uh, I didn't even know anybody that bought their lunch um, until a little bit later, like junior high, but everything was so different. Like we would be out riding our bikes, riding our bikes, riding our bikes. And then the ice cream man would come, it was 10 cents. And, and when the ice cream man would roll through, through the neighborhood, it'd just be like, you know, we would all run out there and we would buy an ice cream and, and our neighbor, her name was Lori Wilson. It's funny because she's probably 62 years old or something like that now. But uh, Lori Wilson, she was our next door neighbor. She would wait. We would all be have our, everybody would rip off the thing and be eating our ice cream, you know, and then, and then we'd look over and Lori Wilson would just now start to take the wrapper off of her ice cream. And then we, we would all have to watch her eat her ice cream. So we ended up 
we have this thing called pulling a Lori Wilson. So if you, if you wait until everybody else is done with their ice cream or their cake or their candy or whatever yummy thing, um, that's got, we call that. And my kids have, and my grandkids have never met Lori Wilson. They have no idea who she even is, but they know what pulling a Lori Wilson is. That's, that's, that's wait until everybody else is done with their ice cream and then eating yours, you know, being outside and just roaming around and being safe and never feeling like anything bad was going to happen, you know? And uh, it's funny because it's so, it's such a contrast to then when I'm, I'm this young teenage girl and I'm hitchhiking all over the place and I was just completely reckless, completely reckless. But I think that's a sign of being a teenager. Like I don't know a lot of teens that aren't completely reckless. Like that point in your life is like, I'm invincible. Nothing bad can happen to me. Yeah. Well, and I think somebody has to tell you that something bad can happen to you for you to realize that that's even a thing. Cause I, I knew a lot of kids that walked in fear because I'd say, Hey man, ask your dad if you can stay over. And and then my little friend would say, well, I asked him and he said, no. And I'm like, you're going to take no for an answer. Ask him again. Cause I was, I was all about wearing my mom down. You know, if I wanted to go somewhere, I may, I wore her down. I want to go see Led Zeppelin at the Oakland Coliseum my mom said oh I don't know if that's safe you know by the end of the day I was going and that's how I rolled I was all I was I never I should have been a salesperson because I was gonna say like that's a skill that starts when the customer says no right (laughs) because Cindy said no and I was like all right (laughs) yeah I take no yeah I'm like okay that's that that was that I gave it my best shot (laughs) I could talk just about anybody into just about anything yes so wait, tell me about this hitchhiking thing. Where were you going? Well, when I was in um, when I was in Santa Cruz, and gosh, I was you know eighth grade, ninth grade, as, and that summer, that summer between eighth and ninth grade, when I turned into really a wild child, we would race from we would race from downtown Ben Lomond, the, the metropolis that is Ben Lomond, California. There was like three three thousand people there. It was really a small town up in the mount in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and we would. We would hitchhike from from Ben Lomond into Santa Cruz. It was like a, you know, half hour or something. But uh, we would race and we'd split up into, you know, two girls and two girls. And, you know, we'd meet at the boardwalk. And, you know, the the trick was to have, uh, you know, be in a car with cute boys that had some beer and some other stuff, you know, party favor stuff. The dry goods, you know. (laughs) And um, we did that all the time. And, you know, the interesting thing, too, about the Santa Cruz Mountains was there was uh, the Zodiac Killer had come through in like early, early 70s. And then there was uh, John Robert Mullins and Ed Kemper III that were crazy. I was going to say, I was like, there were so many serial killers in California in the 60s and 70s. Like, that was like their heyday of like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think don't fuck with cats is something. (laughs) Should have been in Santa Cruz in the 70s, man. It was nuts. There was two guys in particular, though, John Robert Mullins and Ed Kemper III. They were, you know, like decapitating people and and picking up hitchhikers and killing them and and like necrophiliac stuff, crazy stuff. And I was like out there going, you know, hitchhiking. One time this guy picked me and my girlfriend up and he was in a station wagon and he had an ax on the seat of the car. Now, granted, the back of his station wagon was full of chopped wood, but we got in the car with this guy and let him drive us to Santa Cruz. I mean, it's just nutty. It was really different then, though, you know, like you could get lost 
back then in a different way. I mean, here, you know, here and now, you know, our social security numbers are known, you know, everything's computerized. And if they pull you over, they can figure out who you are by, you know, a couple of different things. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's different. Like I got pulled over one time I was, I was in a, I was in a, I was in a, an avocado green 1971 Vega that I had bought for $75 from a guy on the corner. There was no pink slip and there was no key. You started it with a screwdriver. So I'm sitting in my, I'm sitting in my Vega and, and I'm, and it's like, you know, seven o'clock in the morning and I had bought a, a tall can of Budweiser beer and it was my own one, my one and only beer. And it was the one that I needed in the morning. And I was like 16 or 17. I was, you know, not, not probably not a typical teenager in that regard. Cause most teenagers don't need a tall can of Budweiser in the morning, but I, so I'd, I'd scraped together all my change out of, you know, the bottom of the car and I went in 7-Eleven. They, they just let you buy booze back then. Like you tap shoulder if you needed to, but for the most part, if you were a pretty girl, you could walk into any liquor store or bar and buy alcohol. So I, I bought this beer and I, and I, I popped it open and I, I started to take a sip and then I hear this on my window and I look over and it's a police officer and he has tapped on my window with his billy club. And I'm like, give me a second. I just drank the whole beer. I knew he was going to take it from me because I wasn't 21. And also I was behind the wheel of a car. And so I just drank the thing. And, you know, he said, what's the matter? What the hell's the matter with you? And I, when I finally did roll the window down, I said, well, I knew you were going to take it from me. So I figured I should just, you know, kind of shotgun the thing. And and uh, he let me go. The way that it was back then was not the way that it is now. You don't get to do well, that. Well, let, let's, I'm going to, like, if we're being 100%, like, if you're an attractive woman, a lot of stuff can kind of just slide sideways. Yeah. Okay. It'll be yeah. all right. Please let me finish my drink first. I've never been that bold. I have never <laughs> been that bold. Oh, I was I bold. Because my dad, my mom married this, that guy, my new stepdad, he, he had, he did not see me coming, you know, like he, I looked very innocent, but I was, a I would, I, you were spitfire. I took the keys to his car while he was asleep one day. And I went down and I made a copy at the hardware store of his keys to his new Toyota pickup truck. And then I just started using it every night when he was, when they were asleep and, you know, they were newlyweds. So, yeah. you know, for me, this is just my own story. Not everybody my age is, was like this, but, um, you know, cause my dad had died and then my brother went off to college and didn't come back. And my sister went off, you know, and so it was just me there. And it was like the, it was the era of happy days being on TV and, and uh, I didn't want to sit there and watch happy days by myself. So I would go out the window and I would get in that truck and I drive all over and I have cops chasing me. We throw beer bottles at the cops and, and I would pull, I'd roll back in and park that thing and get, and at first I went out the window and then I realized they went to bed at seven o'clock cause they were newlyweds. And I was just, you know, and that's, what's interesting is they were distracted awesome. and pa- distracted parents make for, you know, unsupervised teenagers. And so that's what I was doing. You know, I ran away and did all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and you um, look and sound so, so sweet. Um, I would never. Well, listeners, it's the ones you think are sweet that end up being so much trouble, i.e. our co-host, Diani. <laughs> Diani, really? Yeah, yeah. Do I, tell. I was, I was a very shy, quiet kid who brought home good grades, but I was very sneaky, so... Uh, on the outside, it looked like I was doing everything that I was supposed to do, but um, behind closed doors, yeah, I was I was very sneaky. Um, I was partying at 
12. I don't know. We were going to college parties. Um, and my mom did not know until I was in my 20s. I was already like 25 when she found my fake ID. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, what is this? Why does it say DWV instead of DMV? <laughs> don't ask questions. Don't ask questions you don't really want to know the answer to. Now I'm too old for the ground me, so there's nothing we can do about it. I used to throw parties when she went out of town. Um, like a little Every now and then she would notice. She's like, what? Why are there pizza boxes in here? Is it, are these alcohol bottles? <gasps> I think I was in college. It was way later. It was too, it was, it was just too late. You like to do anything about it. Yeah. It's usually the telltale beer bottle cap. The whole house will be cleaned up before the parents get home. But there's a, there's a bottle cap, like a, like a, a low and brow bottle cap or a, do they even make low and brow anymore? Probably not. But you know, like a beer bottle, a, a bottle of bud or, or, and they used to make those beer can, um, the thing would rip off the thing would, and it was like a triangle shaped hole. And those things were really, they were sharp pieces of metal. And then they invented that, like in maybe the late seventies, I think the one that stays on, but that used to have the one that pulled all the way off. In my head, I'm like, that sounds like a weapon. Because I'm drinking well, my beer and there's probably a boy over here who's looking at me sideways. And I'm like, I could use that to stab you so that I don't have to worry about unwanted <laughs> I was also, I was kind of a blow it case. I was not, I mean, yeah, maybe uh, today I look somewhat innocent because now I'm a grandma. But when I was 16, I had a lot of eyeliner on and I was wearing dittos. They were high-waisted and flared and they were super tight. They were so tight that I had to wear, I had to use a pair of pliers to zip them up, you know? And uh, they, it was hot though, cause you know, tight pants on, on teenage girls is pretty sexy. And, uh, and I would, I would wear um, a lot of eyeliner. Oh, and platform shoes, I'm platform. Sho- I'm, I'm wearing platform shoes right now. Look at how ridiculous. Oh, they but those are cute. Out. No, 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 those are cute. You guys, her shoes are super cute. I love those. Yes. She's wearing but, wedges. You know, that, that, that culture that I was in was, uh, and also when I was a teenager, Saturday Night Fever, John Travolta, uh, you know, that whole thing, disco. Oh my God. You know, at first I was afraid. I was petrified. And you were petrified? <laughs> oh my gosh. Donna Summer was just like, oh, you know, and, and I had, I just said, I, I really got lucky because I liked Led Zeppelin and ACDC and, um, and uh, you know, Blue Oyster Cult and and Journey and I got to see Led Zeppelin when I was fourteen, and I went to all the b- these big concerts and everything, rock concerts. But I also got to be in on that disco era. Man, God, it was just so great. Gloria Gaynor and and uh, Natalie Cole and just such a great time of going dancing and and cruising in our cars and, um, and like you could buy a Mustang for 800 bucks, you know, and, and cruising it. It's not like that today. There are a thousand, they're like $50,000 to buy an old Mustang now, you know, yeah. we, we, our, our, the parking lot of our school of, of our high school was like, was like, um, like hot August nights is now, you know, it looked like cruise night with classic cars. Yeah. Ah. Man, the boys' cars were really, they had these big back seats, you know? <laughs> this sounds like a movie. I just, I can see it. Right? All. Yeah, 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 the whole thing. Like, Have how- you ever seen American Graffiti? Yes. 
I have not. Oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it because it's really and, uh, you know, it has um, Suzanne Summers is in it. I don't know if you know who Suzanne Summers even is, but great, 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 great fitness. Love Suzanne Summers. Yep. Yeah. But she's in it and she's like this mystery girl in a T-bird and he, every time he sees, and it's Richard Dreyfus. He's just like, I got to meet that girl. I got to find that girl. And, uh, and Harrison Ford is in it. He was a young hot guy in that movie. And, you know, that was, that was good stuff. That was also the music of the sixties, you know, the beach boys and all that stuff. And, the, and from that movie came uh, happy days and Laverne and Shirley that's seventies TV, but they were, it always goes back 20 years, you know, in the seventies, we were talking about the fifties and in the nineties, I don't know, were you guys talking about the seventies and the nineties? I feel like, yes. Cause there was a period, I don't remember how old we were, but like Greece got re-released and it was like mm-hmm. all about bell bottoms and it was all about like halter tops. And I hate the fashion that we're currently in for like teenagers. Cause it looks like the eighties, which I despise. I didn't like 80s clothing either. I like, like 70s acid clothing. wash, like loose acid wash, like mom high waist, like mom jeans. And they're like, I'm cute. And I'm like, you're, you look terrible. I want the 70s to come back again. Like the 60s. Yeah. Bring back the bell bottoms. Like I'm here for that. But this I is like the bell bottoms and the high waisted. And thank God for Jennifer Lopez because she kind of brought it back. I think too, here's one thing I think it's interesting about the 90s is that that the music that they call um alternative. It's just 70s music. 70s music was so great. My husband and I are both still stuck in like a time warp. And it's because of my, I I have all of my uh, grandfather and my aunts and uncles. I have all of their old records, like in, like I own them now. Like they're in my home. What are they? My home is like a time warp. Um, It's like close to a thousand records. It's, yeah. I was like, I, I honestly, I need to go through and like organize them. I tend to just like go through and like pick and choose and like pull out one and just play it for three months straight. But do you have a favorite record? Um, yes, I have Thriller from Michael Jackson. Like I have that on vinyl. I have one, one of my, uh, a yogi gave that to me and uh, I love it. If anybody wants to donate Purple Rain to me, on my, <laughs> like an original copy, I would weep and then I would love you forever. So mm. yeah. I think, I think uh, Goodbye Elbrick Road is a really great double album. And uh, when I was in seventh grade, we would slow dance, you know, at the at these big long. They had these big long songs, you know. I danced to an Elton John song as the first song at my wedding. Like I, I love him. What so. song? Uh, Tiny Dancer. Oh, that's such a great. I, song. I was like, because I'm because because I'm a dancer and my husband looks like a linebacker, so we. <laughs> that's our song, but yeah. That's a great song. That's uh, seventh grade for me. Oh. Elton John, God, it was so great. So then what happens after high school? Um, well, uh, my mom, <laughs> my poor mom, she kept trying to send me places so that I would, uh, I think she hoped someone would send me back normal. <laughs> but I just, you know, I, I'm, well, I want to say I'm, I'm unique, but, um, but I had a problem with, uh, with drugs and alcohol. And um, I don't really like saying that publicly. I don't know who all is going to hear me say that, but I did. I had a problem with drugs and alcohol from the time I was about 13 or 14. And that's what just completely sidetracked everything that, that I, you know, I was, um, 
I was into drama and I, my goal, I wanted to go to New York and be on Saturday Night Live. I was funny. I was really a funny teenager and Saturday Night Live was a brand new thing when I was in seventh, eighth grade. And, and I wanted to go to New York and just be on it. And I kind of assumed it would happen, you know, like, um, cause when I was a kid, you could get discovered in the, at the, in the, at the soda counter, you know, in the movies or stand or crossing the street, someone would stop you and say, I'd like to put you in pictures, you know? And I just always kind of assumed that I would be the next Lucille Ball, Goldie Hawn, um, you know, that girl person. And, and, and I got sidetracked by, by partying and, uh, my mom was just like, I don't know what to do. She sent me to, she sent me to Houston, and I did stuff like I hitchhiked to LaGrange, Texas, because I wanted to see what ZZ Top was talking about, you know, and I don't bother because there's nothing there. It's just a big barn that says LaGrange across the top. And turn around like Forrest Gump and then go back the other way, you know. <laughs> but I, I was really lucky that I lived through the stuff that I did. I put myself in danger on a pretty regular basis. And, um, and I got sober when I was uh, in my 20s. Um, I met my husband, uh, was a big biker that picked me up when I was hitchhiking and I stayed with him for 11 years and, uh, it was violent and crazy and wild. I didn't get sober until, um, uh, 1990, March 17th, 1990, which is St. Patrick's day. And, and I, I worked, you know, a step program and, and I'm still involved in it all these years later. I still celebrate my sobriety every year. And, and I try to help other women, you know, and, uh, and um, that's, and, and, you know, it's an altruistic fellowship that I'm, that I'm part of. And, and it also made me where, you know, not drinking and not using and not, I quit smoking. I became a fitness instructor and I went from being a hairstylist to working for a law enforcement agency, which is crazy. Um, they never allowed me to be a sworn officer, you know, with a badge and, Basically, like I could order somebody to be arrested or order them to be released, but I didn't ever ar physically arrest someone. And I could go see people at their home. I mean, uh, at their at their at work or at school or in the jail or juvenile hall. But I didn't really go to people's homes very many times. Um, but I worked for uh, the probation department for 23 years, and I had a, a pretty good career there. And and I did all kinds of stuff. I did the graphics. I did the I did the the cards, the business cards, and the banners and things like that, and the retirement plaques. And um, and I, I supervised kids that were on an, on electronic monitoring with the um, thing around their transmitter on their ankle. Um, and I got to kind of tell kids, you know, you might not want to do this because I can tell you it does not work out very well in the end unless you unless you change. And um, and so it's funny because well so. We, I, I lived in the Tahoe, Truckee, Reno area up until 90, 1993. And um, my husband sent our son to the hospital one night while I was at work. And, and when I came home, uh, it, was, it was pretty awful. He had hurt him significantly. He had like 40 marks on him um, from head to toe. And uh, so I had to leave him and I had to take my kids and move to move. And I moved, so that's when I moved to paradise. And uh, we stayed there for 25 years. And my kid, you know, I raised my kids there and then the town burnt down in um, November of 2018. And uh, so I ended up coming back to the Reno area and um, 
and now I, I I did an after school program. I tried I tried my hand at bus driving because I remembered I had those memories of being a kid on the bus, you know. And I thought, oh, it's gonna be so much fun. I picture that lady, you know, that lady at the red hair and forest gum. She opens up the thing and she, you know, hi, my name's Dorothy, you know. And, and I thought that might be fun, but you have to get under the bus. You have to you have to inspect the bus like four times a day underneath the bus in the snow. I, so I, I, I've got, I've had a few jobs and then, um, and then I, I got a job as attendance officer for the school district. So I supervised 15 schools. And so I go, I roll into these kids, you know, driveway and knock on the door if they, if they have refused to go to school and say, all right, come on, you know, get in the car. I'm taking you to school. That's just like, I can't even believe they're paying me to do that. I probably do it for free because it's really kind of a fun thing, you know, because I was a high school dropout and, uh, and I got my GED from the East Bay Skill Center in Oakland. And I, you know, within a couple of years, you regret that because you wish you'd walked across the stage with that, with the hat and the tassel, you know, and, um, and I try to convey that to kids. And I'm so lucky that I get to do that. It's really interesting. And it's like, you know, it moved, the day goes by really quickly because I'm going from school to school and from kid to kid. And, and uh, they're kind of, I don't know, um, a captive audience when they're in the back of the car to, and to my music as well. <laughs> I play my, my music for them. But um, uh, one thing I, I don't know, I, I find interesting is that I was a juvenile delinquent and I ended up getting to work with kids. And part of their punishment when I worked at probation was um, they'd have to spend a Saturday with me. We called it weekend accountability. That was the name of the program. And, um, and I would have these kids all day and uh, I loved it because I knew what they were going through because I was one of them. And I, I, one of the things I did, cause I remember there's always a girl at a party who has too much to drink, taking off her clothes and some terrible thing happens to her, you know, it's maybe a few boys, you know, you know, the, you know, that story it's on the news. It's in, it's in, um, you know, it's in magazines and newspapers and, and, uh, and everybody knows a girl that's been victimized like that. And so we had some of those cases where I worked and I, and I was able to, to I had the opportunity to work with the victim and the, and the kids who had, who had done these things to these young ladies. And, um, and I, I real I, it became so important to me to, for young men to be educated about this. Like, I don't care how many times she says yes, if she's been drinking, the answer is no. If she's, un, it, when you are under 18, you're not legally allowed to give anybody permission to touch your body, even when you're sober, let alone when you've been drinking. So I kind of was on a, a, a very subtle campaign through my entire time there, where when these kids would come in, I'd say, let's talk about this. <laughs> We'd read an article together and, and I'd say, now I want you to write down a plan. I want you to write down a plan for what you're going to do when you go to a party. Because if you're a teenager and you're going to parties, you will see this. And I want you to decide what, how you're going to treat this young lady when you see her. Because it, it's she might have blonde hair. She might have black hair. She might be white. She might be black. She might be Hispanic. But you're going to see this young woman. And I want you to think of her as your sister, your mother, your future wife. You know, and so I'm getting all choked up. But I would say I want you to write down a plan. I want you in your sober mind. I want you to write down a plan for what you're going to do and how you're going to treat this young woman and what you're what what you and I don't know if it saved any girl or not. I I have a feeling it may have dissuaded at least a few boys. I, I'm going to say a solid yes. Like a yeah, solid. I hope so because and and 
really young men need to be educated about that. And young women obviously need to be educated. But once you've been drinking, you're like, ah, you know, so I, I, I'd have those boys right out of plan and, and girls too. You know, what, what will I do if I see this? Because even my own daughter was kind of like, ah, you know, about a girl that would behave that way at a party. But when, unless you don't really look at it and think about it ahead of time, um, and her, her mind, her, she's a progressive young woman. Her mind changed quickly once she realized it could be your sister, your mom, your best friend, your future wife that could have that happen. Any, any, any young woman can have that happen of any age, really, you know, with a little bit of alcohol. And, uh, so that's one of my things that I'm proudest of as an adult woman working with kids is that I hope that I, that I, I their, their, their mind is open just a little bit by some of the things I've seen and experienced that that maybe they'll make better decisions, you know? So like, okay, we have a, a significant portion of our audience that's under 18. I would encourage everybody to do that. I wish I had done it, like make a plan for if that's because you will encounter it at some point. And I had girls, I had young, young women come to me and say, you know, while I was doing that work, I had uh, a few times a young woman that was in the group come to me and say that happened to me. And, uh, and I could empathize with her and um, and talk to her about it and keep it private and and not repeat it to anyone. But uh, yeah, it is such an important thing. And, and you know, you see it on the news. There was there was one case where um, uh, it was some girls that that were at a party and they kind of kidnapped the, the other young lady and brought her into another room and locked the door and and saved her from a bunch of young men. And you know, it's interesting too as a mother of a of a boy because I had a boy and a girl. And my son was on the football team. And, and uh, you know, the thing is that if you love a, a young man, you want him to protect his own future by not behaving that way. Uh, I, I liked being able to talk to them about that because I saw young men who they had, I had this one kid, he was going to go to uh, Stanford and he was a football player and it stopped, it, his behavior one night stopped that dead in its tracks. He, he I mean, he ended up being a roofer. And that's a that's a valid vocation, but going to be a scientist. And he ended up, you know, working out in the hot sun all day instead. And and I always think, wow, one night, one night of drinking can turn into something so awful for everybody, not just the victim, because they all end up victims of their own behavior, you know. So anyway, yeah, I'm passionate about that. No, that is- I don't know how we ended up there. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's no, kinda- it's good. It's good. Um, but since we're like on this track, we always like to like, as we're like coming towards the end, we like to ask, like, what is your life advice just in general? Um, I think that, uh, I think kindness is the most important thing that there is being kind to people, being kind to others, being kind to yourself, being kind to your parents, your neighbors. And I think that when you, when you know, you know, you have parents and you have grandparents, um, and aunts and uncles, and they're, they're not going to be there forever. And it's funny because I talk about my stepdad in such a, you know, like, ah, he was a sweaty bricklayer, but he had a few really, really wise things. And he'd say, he'd say to me, he called me Lasley because he was Italian. He had a very heavy accent. He'd say, Lasley, in the nighttime, when the lights are out and the doors are locked, the only thing that matters is what's in this house. And he was talking about us, you know, the family. And uh, I think that 
you can glean so much wisdom from a from an aunt, an uncle, a grandma, a grandpa, an old an old lady neighbor. You know, you go over to her house and rake her yard and see if maybe she'll get, offer you some cookies and 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 let her tell you a couple of stories because because old people have the goods. You know, I mean, young mm-hmm. people have the smarts. I mean, you guys are so evolved, and and so you have such an opportunity with like. I'm amazed at young people, how quickly they learn the keyboard and how quickly they learn, you know, math and science and, and, and things like that. My daughter is so much wiser than I was when I was her age. But I also think that you can, you can really glean wisdom and, and learn a lot of amazing things from old people, you know, and it doesn't hurt to befriend them and, and spend time and listen and, and share with them, you know, so kindness and, and listening is a big deal. I think I'm really important. I love kindness is my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Kind people are my kind of people. I saw that on a, on a lately. I like that one. I wish I made it up, but I didn't. I mainly steal things from other people to say. (laughs) Borrow. You borrow. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and dare I say, you make some amazing bath products. Yes, you did. I'm a a fan and I'm a happy customer. Uh, Yanni, do you want to, do you want to plug yours like real quick one more time? I don't think I talk much about it, but I have a business called Ocean's Essence and I make um, Reiki charged bath soaks and um bath scrubs those soaks are my favorite but there are scrubs as well yeah and here's what i'll say as a customer is the box arrives it's a black box and you're like what is it it's so mysterious i have no idea it's it's heavy and i I forget that i ordered the stuff and i paid for it you know and then you open it up and it's like the wrapping and the packaging and it smells good right you can smell it when you open up the box you know and it's good stuff can any of your rubs or scrubs or soaks, can any of them get me pregnant? Um, <laughs> in a roundabout way. Yes, girl. <laughs> yeah, in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what we can do. Okay. Take a nice bath. You never know what's going to happen. There we go. <laughs> Ooh la la. <laughs> again for doing this. We really do appreciate it. So much. Yeah. Thank you. It was fun to talk to you ladies. I really, really, I know I say this every time, but I really just love this. I love hearing everyone's stories and and what it was like growing up and seeing the transition from childhood to adulthood and and relating to, we all make mistakes and learning from those and coming out. And old hood. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Love it. Love it. This is our second like version of this recording. So I don't think it's going to be in there, but like, I just want everybody to know, Leslie's gorgeous. (laughs) Like she's, she's so beautiful. So I don't think the first time I said it is on here. And I just want to go on record as saying, I mean, just like breathtakingly gorgeous. Like we opened up the window and I was like, oh my God. Usually I stare at myself during Zoom. <laughs> In this case, I can't, I have to look at you. So yeah, you really do. Like, I'm just like staring at her the whole time. Like, God. <laughs> you, you guys are really sweet. Like if we went out with Leslie, people would be like, this is just a group of friends. They're all the same age. No one would question anything. Like it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? Being immature really helps. <laughs> Yanni, we're golden. We're golden. We're going to look great for a long time. Yep, this makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also don't smoke and, you know, there's some dumb stuff that we could do that, that if we don't do, we can be healthier, you know. 
take good care of ourselves. I've got the not smoking. I started drinking a gallon of water every day. I thought you were going to say wine. (laughs) Passed out, but I've been close a couple of times. It's fine. All right. Well, that was amazing. I loved Leslie. She was so much fun. And she's so sweet. She is so sweet. And uh, lots of so many nuggets, like a little bit. I feel like we should start doing like, like nugget time, like at the end where we like talk about the nuggets that we got from the interview. I don't know. What nugget did you get? See, this is the thing. I don't want to commit to it because like, then I have to do homework while we're listening. And I just like being told stories while I drink. I don't know. Am I? No. I, I was, I mean, I was not looking forward to coming up with nuggets, but um, <laughs> to hear what, what nugget you got today. So. Um, no, I would say a, a nugget from Leslie. And this is one I think I've talked about before, but just make sure that you're making wise choices while you're being wild. They don't go together. No, <laughs> you're making wild choices and wise choice. You know what? You know what? Right. <laughs> That's this never is- happened in the history of man. Yeah. It doesn't go together. So, um, I don't know. Just edit this out. Just edit out, edit out the nugget talk. We're not going to talk about it. Uh, okay. So no, Leslie was, was, she was just really amazing. She's got such great energy. You know what I just realized? You still don't have a drink. Sure don't. My bad. Well, I got caught up in the stories. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what usually happens to me too. I'm like, oh, I'll do it while we're doing it. And then I was like, well, that didn't happen. Okay. I know I want to do, I want to do something with gin because I have like a full bottle of gin. So we're going to go for, it's called a gin garden. It's actually very similar to um, last week's cocktail, but with gin instead of whiskey, there's like a couple of other things that are, are different, but this sounds good. It's gin, elderflower, liqueur, lemon, cucumber, and basil. Yeah, sounds real, real scrumptious. Uh, listeners, I want you to hear this. Diani, I'm sending you the cocktail now. Don't come to me in a week being like, what did we say we we're going to drink again? Because I'm sending it to you. I'm definitely going to do that day of. <laughs> You're like, what are we supposed to be drinking? All right, it's saved in my phone. Okay. So listeners, again, I will post the rest. I will post this recipe early because it's not something you're likely to find just anywhere. So I'll make sure that I post it um, before the episode. So you have time to make it if you're doing the drink along. Uh, I want everyone to know I was for real. Um, I have started a challenge with myself. Mm-hmm. Drink a gallon of water every day. I'm only two days in. Uh, I'm doing well on it though. Like I've, I've both days, like I've already gotten in both of my uh, gallons of water early both days. And then I've almost peed on myself both days. So it's been great. The, the urge comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to run now. Kudos to you. I have tried to do the gallon water thing. It's so hard. And then you are constantly having to potty. And I just, ugh. Yeah, but like constantly having to potty keeps me from like being anxious, reading too much into a situation. Like before I can jump to a conclusion, I have to go to the bathroom again. So <laughs> keeps you busy. Yeah, I like it. no I'm full of trash but uh yeah no so far so good and I think I think already like two days in I think my skin is like praise the lord it's something other than coffee so yeah yeah, I for sure my coffee intake has gone up like I don't know I have my I wake up so early in the morning for no reason and so I have my first cup and then because I wake up at like 6 a.m 
was like, I, well, I know. Cause I like, I'll text you at like eight and I'm like, Oh, it's so early. And I'm like, she's up. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but then when I'm done with my, my first cup, it's still 9am. So then I have a second cup. <laughs> oh, you're better than me. I have my first cup and then I have another cup at like one thirty, which is like, which is me knowing this is going to affect my sleep. And I do it anyway. Cause I'm like, well, I have to be up till nine. Like I have to be t- like, I'm, I'm actively working until 9 p.m. So it's like, well, if I don't have this, I'm going to be grumpy. So I should probably just go ahead and have the coffee. Teach yourself. Well, it's like my kids are like, do you want a snack? Because they always assume that I'm hangry. (laughs) So listeners, once again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. Please don't forget, we're still waiting for your stories. You can email us at boomtownstories at gmail.com. All right, you guys. Well, thanks for listening. And I guess that all that's left to say now is until next time. Boom, baby.